This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 95, recorded May 10th, 2012. Sin, what's so big? Welcome to this week in Prayer Room Companion. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and with me in studio... Father Andrew Dickinson, very, very delighted to be here. Good to see you. Yes. Oh, just wonderful. Just springs of happiness welling up inside my heart. It's May. Yes. Oh, yes, it is. And the rain is coming and the flowers are blooming and oh, the trees are just so bright in their foliage and it is marvelous. Verdant green. If you're still listening, uh, I was sharing with Father Andrew beforehand how with our illustrious co-hosts, we try to do our uh, public radio voices on occasion. So Father was... Breaking his out. It's much better than doing uh, drive time uh, radio. Good morning, Father. I just cranked the levels on uh, Bill, our sound guy. And our sound man now has broken his eardrums. Hey, hey, hey. Anyway, welcome uh, to this week's episode. Um, Again, Chris Bergwald, Father Dickinson. And if you want to contact us with any topics, and we have a topic for this week that we're going to be talking about. From a listener. From a listener. I'll get to that in a minute. And has some other exciting show news we'll get to. Ooh. But email me, Chris Bergwald at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. Uh, you can g- go to the Sioux Falls Catholic Diocese website, sfcatholic.org. Find the email address there if you don't know how to spell my name, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D. At sfcatholic.org. Dot O-R-G. Dot O-R-G. So, Father, uh, first of all, good news. Somebody yes. emailed, was was surprised that this this person was surprised that they were the first listener to respond to our, our exciting contest. You bring to us ago. news of great joy. News of great joy. Eric, I'll, I'll, Eric, I'll protect your anonymity a little bit by leaving out your last name uh, for the purposes of the many, 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 many people who listen to the podcast, apparently. Eric is an MA student in political science science at Georgia State University. Eric won um, a copy of Father Barron's book, Catholicism. Got that out in the mail to him just the other day. Hot diggity dog. So thanks for listening, Eric. Uh, hope you enjoy the book. Um, Eric said that he, he's familiar with Father Barron's book. The podcast he listens to, but like I th- other people I have talked to, sometimes people let episodes build up and then, you know, if they're on a road trip yep. or whatever. Yep. Yep. So. So that's how uh, Eric heard about the contest. And then our question, or the topic rather, for this week is from Keith in Aurora, South Dakota. Aurora. A native. And Keith has, uh, we, we talked about Liturgy of the Hours a while back. That was um, uh, a request that, that Keith had for a topic. And uh, this time Keith wanted us, wanted if we could talk a little bit about um, mortal and venial sin. Uh, Keith says, I know that often the descriptions are a little vague and it would be nice to have a clearer understanding. So, Father, my understanding um, of that is really we've done away with sin after Vatican II. Uh, the, the church said, you know, there, there is no more. We're, we're all good people. And, and this is where I cue the uh, morning drive time radio laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll back away from the microphone this time for Bill's sake. Yes. yes. Um, no, yeah. So we've done away with we've sin. We've done away no, with sin. No, we have not oh, done away with right. sin. Okay. Uh, but neither personally nor ecclesially, <laughs> nor uh, sadly, I, yes, I'm. Stri- we're striving to do away with sin, indeed. Nor metaphysically, I don't think. I mean, yeah, I think sin is nice. still yeah. sin still reigns until uh, Christ comes in His glory uh, at the end of time. Now, technically, so. does sin exist? You said metaphysically. Say now, you know. I, well, the action does exist, doesn't it? It has no ontological density. But the action is there. That's a theory, though. Anyway. 
That's a theory. <laughs> no, 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 no. Evil is nothing. But I'm nothing. doing the evil action, evil so nothing. I didn't do anything else. So sin doesn't exist. See, there we go. We, okay. we get rid of sin. All right. No, well, no, thank you very no. much for listening to us <laughs> on Prayer Hope it helps you, Keith. <laughs> um, no, so, so yeah, obviously, yes, sin still sadly exists uh, in each one of us. Um, we are working, of course, to do away with it. But it still exists despite some people's theories um, as a reality in the world, as Father said. Um, yeah, and, and that, that's a good point. I mean, I, I hate to make light of it, but it's a good point. Um, and I thought you were making light of it as well. So shame on the both of us. Yes. Um, unfortunately, there has been a tendency in uh, catechesis in the United States in certain areas and certain times to perform this idea that sin somehow does not exist, that there is no such thing as sin. Uh, in fact, I'm, uh, a parishioner of mine at a, uh, some, somewhere once told me that uh, her daughter had been taught by uh, a, a Bible school teacher that, oh, it's not a sin uh, to miss Sunday Mass, so don't worry about it. You know, And that's just totally unraveled this uh, daughter's faith now. Uh, she's a, she, the daughter is now a grown, uh, a grown woman. But uh, so this is a very damaging idea, this idea that there is no such thing as sin or that sin in some way or some fashion does not exist. And I think it's good as we are before getting into the distinction between mortal and venial sins, just to talk more broadly. I think we were talking also beforehand about there is a heresy that actually started in France um, in the 17th, 17th century. Um, Jansenism uh, and and one of the named ha- after a bishop. Yes, sadly, um, um, and one of the hallmarks of and sort of the, still the remaining strand of Jansenism is uh, a temptation which which some Catholics, may, may, no, just some people have, many of us maybe, towards scrupulosity, where we do become uh, obsessed in a negative way with sin. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and and we're not to, we, we we acknowledge the reality of sin, but we ought not obsess over it. We we strive to root it out of our ourselves. Strive to live live lives of holiness and virtue. That striving is part of what we refer to as being a member of the church militant. Exactly, that's just the reality of the human condition. Right. Um, we, we we take stock through our examination of conscience of the sins we commit at least or ideally on a daily basis, but at least when we go to confession mm-hmm. uh, or on a weekly basis of Sunday mass. But we don't like beat ourselves up. We don't obsess. Yes, for lack of a better. Yeah. Give a better. I keep using obsess. I mean, well, I I think um, well, a way that I would like to talk about it with people, and this maybe goes a little differently, but that that sin is the beginning of the story, but it's not the end of the right. story. Yep. And I think in maybe in some strains of Jansenism or people that might suffer from a scrupulosity, uh, for them, sin is the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story. I'm a horrible, horrible, wretched, wretched sinner, and that's it. Right. Whereas in an Orthodox Catholic theology and you know, in the catechism and the scriptures, sin is beginning. Well, it's not the beginning of the story because actually there's original righteousness, but um, an original grace. But sin begins the drama of the story with the sin, with the fall of Adam and Eve, the drama of salvation folds. In our own lives, the drama of our own salvation folds as we realize, understand that we are sinners. But that's only the beginning of the story because then we realize that we are sinners who are loved by God. First uh, John 4.10, that will have uh, uh, this coming Sunday uh, for the epistle reading, the second reading in the sixth Sunday of Easter. First uh, John 4.10, and this uh, is... And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he first loved up us and gave his son as expiation for our sins. And so I think to keep that idea in balance, yes, I'm a sinner, but that means I have a savior right. in Jesus Christ. All right. It doesn't mean I have a savior, but thanks be to God, there is a savior in right. Jesus Christ. Right. 
or thinking uh, maybe another biblical reference would be our Lord's words when he's accused of eating with sinners and tax collectors. And he says, those who are well do not need a physician, but the sick do. Mm-hmm. And our response should be, I am sick and thank God I am sick. Right. And and the, the reality that you know, I think sometimes there can be sort of a, a twisted sense of, of, of Christianity in general, even Catholicism, that I need to earn God's love or that I, that I need to change my behavior so that God would, But no, as you just said, he loves us first, mm-hmm. referring to First John. Um, God loves us in our sinfulness, despite our sinfulness, and he wants to save us out of our sinfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the initiator. He makes the first move. I'm nodding vigorously. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Nodding vigorously. <laughs> so, uh, right, it's, it's, so that is sort of the background. And also, I think one of the things that I, I like to highlight for people, that, that sin, sin isn't arbitrary. The, the church's understanding, it's not like, okay, somebody's going to flip a coin to decide... Is the sinful? No, sin. These are realities that are spiritually damaging, at least to myself. Mm-hmm. Usually, first and foremost, to the person, and in others, many cases, of course, damaging to others as well. If, if we're doing something to somebody else as part of the sin, also damaging though to other people, insofar as every action that we do impacts the body of Christ. For those of us who are baptized, my sins weaken the body. My vices. Um, strengthen the body, uh, and, and uh, one of the things that my I love. Virtues, my, sorry, my virtues. <laughs> um, one of the things I love about the Catechism, I don't have the reference right at hand, but the Catechism says that sin is an offense against blank, 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 blank. Of course, an offense against God, but actually, the first blank is the word reason. Yeah, sin is an offense against reason. Sin is, by definition, irrational because it's contrary to our nature. I'm doing something that I'm not made to do. And so it doesn't make any sense. And yet with St. Paul, I do it anyway. Right. Romans seven nineteen. Yes. Do the good I, I want it. instead of do the evil that I do not want and I hate it so. And we, we know it and yet we, we yeah. do it anyway. Well, it, uh, there used to be a cartoon show in the 1980s redone recently in a movie, uh, G.I. Joe. And when they had this little tagline, at the end of the G.I. Joe cartoons, they'd have these little like little morality things like, yep. Bobby, that's why you look both ways before crossing the street. And say, thanks, rock and roll. Well, now you know. And knowing is, is half, half the, the battle. battle. Yes. But it's not. And, like, and I counsel people that in confession all the time and myself. Uh, just that, you know, just because we know something sin, that's, only, that's like the first 5% of the battle. Right. You know, because there's that effort to try and conform, to, to become in union with grace, hearts united to heart. And, in that relation, which is love. I mean, because love is two hearts united, we'd say, right? Right, absolutely. Right. Two wills united, to will what the, to want what the other person wants. And, and that's that's why sin is to want what the other person doesn't want. Doesn't want. And that's, you know, um, it, as you said, it's not just knowing, but it's that the doing. The knowledge is usually, frankly, the easy part. It's, it's living that knowledge. I could pick up the catechism and read it in a week if yeah. I had the willpower. But, right. Yeah. Exactly. So so sin is just – a sin is something which does damage to me. It's contrary to my nature. It's certainly contrary to God because he gave me my nature. Um, but there are, to get to, to more to, to Keith's question, there are – the church does make a basic distinction based on Scripture. Again, First John uh, chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, we see in Scripture itself, and the church has reflected on this now for 2,000 years, that there are – 
different kinds of sin. And, and, and what the apostle points to is this distinction between sins which are deadly to our life in Christ, mortal, and then sins which are not deadly and w- which the church has come to, to refer to as venial. Father, I've never, and I, 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 not to put you on the spot, I don't know. Do you happen to know the etymology, the terminological origins of why we call those not deadly sins, that, as John puts it, uh, venial? Any idea? No, and I looked that up once in the dictionary. I don't remember what the answer was. I just remember that it wasn't striking. It didn't. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it didn't stick out here. It, it didn't strike a big chord. But maybe that's the whole idea of venial sin, I guess, in that that's way. A... <laughs> that's not a striking sin in that way. It just doesn't, you know, I mean, it's, it's there. It's real. I mean, it's, and it is real in cleanliness. It is real damage to yourself, but it is not... It's not mortal. It's not mortal. So the, the wound the, is not mortal. The, exactly, and the, the classical language or the common language, maybe that's often used, is you know, uh, mortal sin breaks in a sense our relationship with Christ, where I am no longer in a state of grace. Maybe more accurately, we should say it breaks my relationship with Christ. Right. It doesn't break Christ's relationship with, with me. me. Right. Yeah. It's me saying no, turning my back. Yeah. Whereas venial sins is me sort of not turning my back, but turning away a little bit, where I'm, I'm doing something that. Hurts the relationship. Go ahead. Well, it's it's kind of like when you're talking with someone nowadays, and they've got a smartphone or a cell phone or something like that, and you're having a conversation. Also, they pull out and they start looking for something. Maybe looking for something about like sin in the Baltimore Catechism. And yes, you're trying yeah. to explain to them yeah. like why yeah. you buy new cars and not used cars, and you're there looking. Then they put your hand on the shoulder. Hey, listen. Oh, okay. So exactly. But is that, I don't know. If that, does that make sense? But it does. No, you're right. I mean, where you're not completely say, you know, turning your back, you're just not completely paying attention at the same right. time. Like these podcasts are much better when we're person to person as opposed to when we're like talking to the because, computer. Because we tend not to be looking at each other. Right, definitely. right. So we're like signaling like, hey, I, I, you, it's time for you to say I something. Gotta, I, and I, you're I, not, I, I, or like my computer goes down or I'm looking at other articles or something. Bad and there's dead air. And anyway. Um, Awkward. What are we talking about? Uh, so, so we Mortal get from scripture, we get that from scripture, that distinction that there is sin, which is venial, which is not deadly. Um, and, and, and the, the, as we were talking about before we went on the air, the sort of the challenge I think for many Catholics is there is no list. Right. You had, I think you had, I don't know if how quickly you can pull it up again, but you had a reference from uh, uh, the, Baltimore, the Catechism. Baltimore Catechism. Right. And so, uh, but maybe we should define what the church says mortal sin is first. Would that sure. be helpful? Yeah. So, so. The, if you look in the catechism, this is in uh, the, the section of the, the CCC is 1854 and following. And by the way, if you don't have a copy of the catechism of the Catholic Church, shame on you. But that's okay. You can look it up online. There's a couple different websites, the Vatican website, and there's a couple other websites that have it online. So just do a search for Catechism of Catholic Church and it'll get you right there. Boom. Even throw in lines like mortal sin, venial sin, you might be able to find the right message. That's right. And, you know, actually sometimes I have, uh, I've had luck. If I want to cite a particular passage, I know the paragraph, but I want to just copy and paste text. I sometimes CCC 1854. And gives me a Google that. Yeah. Anyway. So 1854 says, sins are rightly evaluated according to their gravity. The distinction between mortal and venial sin, already evident in scripture, became part of the tradition of the church. It is corroborated by human experience. And then 1855 gives the the definition of the two. Mortal sin destroys charity in the heart of man by a grave violation of God's law. It turns a man away from God, who is his ultimate end and his beatitude, by by preferring an inferior good to him. And then venial sin allows charity to subsist, to remain, even though it offends and wounds it. 
Would you put down that iPhone and listen to me? <laughs> so, as I read that, you didn't have the luxury of seeing it. Anything strike you? Uh, well, one, just the whole idea of, you know, uh, ter- the, 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 that verb turn was in there, and the, and the idea of mortal sin, but the death of charity as well would be interesting to talk about. But So, you know, you use that idea of kind of turning or breaking off that relationship. Mm-hmm. And also the, the word turn uh, calls to mind the meaning of the word conversion. Mm-hmm. Metanoia in Greek, uh, conversion means to turn. Mm-hmm. And so to turn back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's even a, a, in the ancient liturgies, uh, there was a phrase as they would turn towards the altar for an ad orientum uh, worship and prayer, uh, the call would be a conversi ad dominum, mm-hmm. turn, turn to the Lord, the Lord. Right. Yeah, turn towards right. the Lord. And so the idea of that sin is a turning away from the Lord, we're called to turn towards the Lord and sin is a turning away from the Lord, which is just, a, I think it's a powerful visual image. And even still now, like for someone to turn your, their back on someone. Right. You know, it's, right. it's a powerful thing. You know, if that happens, you try and talk to someone, they're mad at you, and they just turn their back. And that, that hurts your heart when someone does that to you, when they turn their back on you in that way. And so you see how it is an offense against you as well. So how uh, what's your response when somebody says, okay, th- that makes sense to me, Father, but I'm not trying to be that malicious. I mean, when I committed this mortal sin, you know, mm-hmm. turning my back on somebody, like, I'm being a jerk. Right. And I didn't feel like I was being a jerk to God, so to speak, when I did this. Well, that actually brings up what I was hoping you were going to actually talk about a bit was the three uh, qualities of mortal sin. That a mortal sin has to be uh, grave matter. It means what you did is serious, yep. bad. And then it has to uh, be uh, deliberately chosen. Yep. Full consent. Full consent. And then uh, uh, full knowledge of what you're doing is wrong. Correct. And so... Um, now, uh, um, and the, so, so in a certain sense, I would say, well, I didn't know what I was doing is wrong. There might be a time where your ignorance was invincible, maybe, uh, or invincible. Maybe no one had ever told you that uh, contraception was wrong. Or maybe you were led astray by someone who you trusted who said that it's not a sin to miss Mass on right. Sunday. Now, at the same time, in a lot of these things, I think there would be a natural call in the heart right. to say that, no, something is wrong in this. And like we talked about in our podcast, if you'd like to go back to it, dear listeners, on Jay Budzinski's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> what We Can't Not Know. What We Can't Not Know. And what do we call that podcast? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's not natural law, so we can not know it. I, I, I could know it. But anyways. I don't. Um, so uh, um, so there's that sense where you can not know things. Right. In that sense. And that's, that's where, but at the same time, though, you have a duty as a baptized Catholic, to be forming your conscience, to be investigating, to be learning. And so you're doing something, uh, it's, it's worthwhile to understand say, hey, is it right for me to uh, go uh, clubbing by, or uh, go clubbing, to go uh, club baby seals, right? Is this, is this a right use of my human freedom and responsibility? And things like clubbing that? might not be easier depending on the kind of club it is. Yes, depending yeah. on what type of club it is. Anyway. So, so mortal sin, the three things. Uh, so what mortal sin does compose to venial sin. So mortal sin that breaks that off. It also talks about the death of charity. Yep. A charity to be understood there not just as uh, um, putting some coins in the Salvation Army kettle. Well, I'm not in mortal sin because I still want to do that. Um, no, uh, that would not be a good gauge of whether you're in the state of grace or whether you're in mortal sin. But the death of charity means that death of, the lo- of, of that life-giving love uh, from God and for God. 
uh, that we've turned our back on that. Which, which because it's supernatural, we do not sense. Exactly. So that's why. It's above your nature. So that's why we can't, we don't feel it. Right. And so we can't say, well, I don't feel any worse, so I must not have committed moral sin. No. Exactly. You didn't feel it to begin with, so. The other thing, the thing, one of the things that struck me about the definition, um, it turns away from man from God by preferring an inferior good to him. Mm-hmm. So when we commit even, this is mortal sin we're talking about, every sin, like every evil, is the choice of a good, but in the wrong context. The wrong good. Or the, for, for that time. Yep. Um, so by this is the definition, by preferring an inferior good to God, because God is the greatest good. And so when we, mortal sin, we're saying that this created thing that I want, that I'm doing, I'm doing this, it's greater than God, which it can't be. No. But it's always the choice for an inferior good. That's the thing that strikes me. Very much so. That's a very, and also too, so some of the people that might say, well, I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong. Again, because you thought you were choosing the good, but you're choosing the wrong good. Right. You know, and very few people choose something that's bad because and only for the purpose that they know it's bad. You know, in, some, in their mind, in some way, they think this is good for the situation for me at this time in this way. In fact, I would venture to say that nobody ever chooses evil for its own Sociopaths. sake. Sociopaths. But they still see it as a good. Anyways. Anyways. So the other thing too, going back to the three conditions that you talked about, grave matter, full consent, and full knowledge. Grave matter, mortal. Just because. I thought we weren't supposed to have dead air when we were going. Yeah, I know, I know. So, but we talked at the radio show when I recorded about the holy, the the theme for World Communications Day, silence. Silence. So that was. Thank you, Holy Father. Yes, yes. So. this moment of silence brought to you by Pope, Benedict the Sixteenth. <laughs> the, uh, the even if we don't commit a mortal sin, we still do something grave, and therefore it's still damaging to yes. us. You know, sometimes we, we we have to be careful here. That um, it, again, there's a balance. We can't allow the fact that maybe I didn't have full consent or full knowledge to deny that what I did was wrong, gravely wrong. Yes, I did commit a moral sin because of those conditions, but it was still gravely wrong yeah. and damaging. Um, uh, as, as opposed to saying, well, it didn't really matter because I didn't have... No, it still right. mattered. Right. Just as your venial sins still matter. Right. Exactly. You know, the, one thing I pointed out to people uh, when giving presentations in the new translation, um, you know, we have in the Confidior, um, I have greatly sinned. Yeah. And greatly is in the new translation. And I point out that even a venial sin, well, not grave, it's still great. And you sort of alluded to, you were speaking to this earlier, like every sin is serious. Some are more serious and more deadly, yeah. but even the smallest venial sin is serious. Every Because it, it, it's a, like a little pinprick or a little, you know, I don't know, slight little knife cut where it's damaging my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So, so. Um, Look at your uh, iPod long enough, and uh, pretty soon your friends don't come around anymore. Exactly. So we have you know the, the three conditions, the distinctions, but if, I don't know if this would be a time for you to... Re- good time. So I, I think as we look through this, I mean, one of the questions that arises, and I have taught on this, uh, like with Totus Tuus teachers in the summer times, as we've taught on this, one of the questions that often arises is, well, isn't there like a list then of mortal sins? And so like, you know, to, to walk across the straight li- state line of Minnesota and Wisconsin with a duck on your head, that's a mortal sin. Um, there's a law on that in the books in Minnesota. Did you know that? No. It's illegal to walk across the state line with a duck on your head. 
I'm guessing it had something to do with poaching. I'm sure there's a good reason for it. But anyway. It's Minnesota. There has to be a good reason. Oh, wait, Minnesota. My, my bad. Um, so, but isn't there a list of these things? Like, And then I can know to avoid it in a certain sense. And the church doesn't give a list. Not, not in the catechism. I right? just gives those three qualifications, grave matter. Mm-hmm. And so you usually take grave matter from the Ten Commandments and the precepts of the church. Mm-hmm. And then a few other places. Um, but then just uh, uh, a full cons- uh, full consent, the freedom of your will. So if someone has a gun to your head, well, you wouldn't really have free will. And then knowledge of what you're doing in that sense. And so um, if you're a sleepwalker, you're okay. <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I was looking through the uh, Baltimore Catechism because that's just the type of guy I am. And uh, in the Baltimore Catechism, uh, uh, I was reading their section on sin because I'm a confessor. I want to learn more about sin. And I'm a confessee, so I need to l- learn more about my sin. Right. But that really is a question that says, uh, how can we know what sins are considered mortal? This is question 287 in the third uh, Baltimore Catechism, 287. How can we know what sins are considered mortal? And it says, uh, oh, pardon me. I was looking at the wrong one. Um, question 291. Strike that. Reverse it. Can we just edit that? Just kidding. Uh, we'll just let that venial sin suffice. In question 289 of the Baltimore Catechism. That was not a sin, Father. Oh, okay. Stop your Jansenism. Through my most grievous fault. Question 291 of the Baltimore Catechism, version 3, says, we, can, we, can we, asks, can we always distinguish venial from mortal sin? And it says, we cannot always distinguish venial from mortal sin. In such cases, we must leave the decision to our confessor. And so I think uh, you were struck by something by this, and then maybe I'll just go into when I was struck by this. Yes, this is the reality the church has always had. Sometimes I think today, you talk about the reality of of the state of catechesis and so on um, in the last few decades. I think sometimes the Baltimore Catechism still has a bad name for just being a list of very concise rules right. and you remember rigid Q- Q&A and you just mindlessly remember them rigid. and da, 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 and but to me that that's that's a great um, acknowledgement a well put acknowledgement of the reality of the human condition of sin would you say it's a rigid acknowledgement not really okay yeah it's a great acknowledgement of that nature of mortal sin and then also I think that I love the fact that it's an ecclesial answer so the answer mm-hmm. to mortal venial sin is found in the community of the church right and that way, it must be found through the examination, uh, through that cooperation, and also calling to mind the nature of what uh, goes on in confession. Priests are given the power, uh, uh, the power to both bind and loose. Mm-hmm. And so, for that reason, uh, um, uh, Frank Sheed uh, makes this point in his book *Theology and Sanity*, where he says that because theology and sanity, theology and sanity, oh, okay. Okay. and sanity, yeah. not sanctity, okay. sanity. Yes. Very good book. And uh, theology and sanity, that uh, because Jesus gives the power to both bind and loose on sins, that means Jesus implied and knew from the very beginning that sins should be listed to our confessor. Right. Because for what other reason could they bind or loose unless they knew them by name? Right. But, uh, uh, and so in this case, um, uh, it's an ecclesial answer, brings in the, into the life of the church and, and to the presence of Christ in confession. Also, maybe just thinking as we're talking here, uh, what's uh, Psalm 133? Uh, it says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live in unity. Mm. It is like oil running down upon the beard of Aaron, uh, from it flowing down his head under the collar of his robe. Uh, there, uh, the brothers live in unity, and there salvation is found. Mm. 
So this whole idea that salvation is always found in the communion of, uh, of the church in that way. Uh, maybe thinking just one last aphorism here uh, from St. John Climacus. I believe it's attributed to a Slavic saint. A man can be damned alone, but he can only be saved with others. Right. So. Absolutely. You know, the other thing, and, and having said that, we, we still do, do know that certain things are grave matter. Right. And then we're, it's just we don't have an exhaustive Right. List. But also, too, just because it's grave matter doesn't mean it's always a mortal sin. The, the two conditions. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So. So, Keith, hope that's helpful to you. Father, is there anything else that you, uh, you, you sort of just gave the last word anyway, but anything else that we uh, haven't spoken about that you think is worth addressing? Go to confession. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening, Father. We'll see or hear you in two weeks. And I'll be back next week with another episode of Prayer Room Companion. God bless. <laughs>